You're listening to your Rebuilding MBA podcast with David and Kay. Kay, the Spurs suck. What's happening? Hey, David, you suck. <laughs> I don't suck. <laughs> I don't suck. Well, it is is definitely a new West, huh? Should we talk about the Spurs finally? And uh, to be fair, we haven't really ever really talked about the Spurs. Because they're just so boring and efficient. Like, we just... They're just so boring and effective and efficient. And they've just always been good under Greg Popovich. And it's just assumed that, you know, they'll just do well. But in the last 10 games, they're 1-9. They're 6-12 and 12 as of current recording. Um, that may change, of course, in the future. But um, there, so the six games under 500. They've been a fairly big disappointment just considering that uh, some of the younger players like Derek White, Deontay Murray that came back from injury aren't playing too well. And of course, the star play, which they traded for, uh, you know, swapping Kwai with DeMar DeRozan, he's just, uh, he's like, what do you think? What's his situation? Are you, are you, he, why, why are you blaming DeMar? Don't, don't bring up I'm DeMar. I'm not blaming DeMar. Let's talk about LaMarcus Aldridge. He clearly Aldridge. is the best player. And he currently has, a, basically, if you round it down, a 0-3 field goal percentage. How many three-pointers has he actually taken this season? I, I let me just check this. Not sure. But like we know, like his game is definitely predicated around the mid-range shot. He's really good at he's strong. He can he can he's really athletic. He can get to the ring. He can shoot mid-ranges really well. Um, but for some reason, and I don't think that's always been the case on a pop, but just maybe the system with the way it, it dictates the offense is DeRozan is less likely to take three pointers. I mean DeRozan has never been a great three-point shooter but he's definitely not uh like a horrendous three-point shooter anyway. but the dude can shoot that's that's the thing the dude can shoot i don't yeah, understand period. he's yeah. obviously a two-point magician yeah yeah of course he's got a good shot he's got a good uh form he doesn't doesn't look awkward and i've seen him shoot threes a lot when he back in toronto he's not a yeah he's not a bad three-point shooter as well okay so one thing has become clear which is Toronto obviously forced him to take threes because his last season in Toronto, for that season, he attempted 287 three-pointers. Yeah, which is a lot. Which is a lot. He didn't, make a, he didn't make many of them. He only made 89 of them, which is only a 31%. So this season, after about 20-odd games, he's only taken four three-pointers. He's only attempted four three-pointers, and he's made zero. He's shooting 0% from three. Has he actually made zero? He's made zero. He, so he's 0 for oh, 4. Okay. But those four, I'm oh, okay. imagining, so, they're yeah. like, they might be um, at the end of the shot clock. He just forced them up kind of yeah. thing. It wasn't like a natural, like a off part of the natural offense. So his entire last season with the San Antonio Spurs, he attempted 45 mm. three-pointers. Okay, he made wow. Seven. So he's, it's definitely the system, the offensive system that Pop employs that uh, doesn't cater to taking three-point shots then. Well, Patty Mills, how about Patty Mills? Like, he's a really effective three-point shooter. I thought the Spurs do shoot threes. I think it's just yeah, DeMar They've always DeRozan. been pretty, pretty yeah, adept at shooting threes. And we'll see it, like, Patty Mills' stats. I think with the Spurs system is that they allowed the players to, to play their game, basically. And whereas yeah. the, when DeMar was on Toronto, they forced them to take threes, San Antonio's not forcing them to take threes. Mm. A lot of threes, a ton of threes. DeMar DeRozan in his last season in Toronto took over 200, almost 300 shots from the three-point range. And now he's taken, literally in the last two or one and a bit season, he's taken 50 shots. 
So, I mean, Paddy Mills is still doing really well. I don't know exactly how many shots he's taken, but he is at like 45% from three-point range. There's even LaMarcus Aldridge. He shoots more. He's like mid-range game, right? He, that's his game as well. Mm. But he takes some threes. Mm. So LaMarcus Aldridge shoots about, attempts about 1.5 threes uh, a game this season and shooting at around 34% from three, which is, mm. which is not bad for a big guy, right? Yeah. Why hasn't DeRozan added the three-pointer to his game? Well, back into his game. It was clearly part of his game. Like, he was comfortable taking it enough to take it. I've seen him play a lot in Toronto. He, he was definitely someone that you had to defend on the three-point line. Like, I wouldn't say he's a knockdown shooter like Steph or anything, but I, I, you know, like, I was scared when he took a shot anytime because he, so, he was pretty automatic, like, at least from two-point range and you know, somewhat from three-point range. From two, but never from three. I guess not never, but like not never. I wouldn't say never from three because in Toronto, he, he, was, he was really good. He scored a lot of points in Toronto. And I'm not saying he's bad with the Spurs, but definitely his three-point game is missing. He's definitely taken a step back or just, I don't know, if his confidence or he's scared or it's just not helping, like the system isn't helping him open up from three-point range. But like, you know, this team, like we said, is one of nine in the last 10. They're like third worst in the West, um, just ahead of the Grizzlies and Warriors at the moment. And DeRozan, who the best player is, um, you know, apart from maybe the coaching staff, takes the bulk of the blame because he's the guy that needs to make them go. How about LaMarcus Aldridge? You don't put any blame on LaMarcus? He gets, I'll give him 5% of the blame. Why 5% of the blame? Well, because I don't think he's a, he's a reason. He's not the reason why teams win. He, like, you put him on a team and he's a good role. He's a very good role player for the star player he's like a good b guy or maybe a good c guy but he's not going to be a good a guy but DeRozan back on Toronto he was the a guy and he was a good a guy because he took the team to multiple playoff rounds and won a lot of playoff games LaMarcus Aldridge I don't think he's ever been the reason they won a playoff game okay that that's fair that's fair that's fair and you know it's hard to put that much attribute that much blame to LaMarcus Aldridge like he's not going to win you games by himself. Like, he might be able to win a few, but I know DeRozan is the key to this to this team for sure. Well, LaMarcus was the Spurs probably first, like, massive free agent signing. Yeah, that's fair enough. He seemed like a missing piece back on, like, the team, uh, you know, with Kawhi and uh, Tony Park and Ginobili. Like, he seemed like a good get to, as Duncan was in his twilight. I'm not sure if they crossed... Did they cross over Duncan and Eldridge? Um, I, they might have actually, they might like have. might have just or something Yeah, like they might that. have just. Um, but it seemed like, and you know, they had Paul Gasol on that team back then, like, uh, who else do they have? Oh, who's that guy? I think they had like Scalabrini as well. Yeah, they did. Like they had like a lot of tall guys that could shoot. And, um, yeah, like obviously the Spurs have been really good and they've made the playoffs for, I think like two decades in a row. Like they've just made consecutive playoff perform playoff appearances year after year after years, pretty much since '99 or 2000, right? Since they drafted Tim Duncan, they've made That's the playoffs right. every single year. That's right. And uh, this is the first year that they might miss out. And I guess my question to you, 
Okay, I guess two questions. One, going back to DeRozan, do you think they should blow it up? And since DeRozan is the best player, should they trade DeRozan since he has the best, he has the most trade value? And second question is, do you think the Spurs can still make the playoffs? Because I'll tell you the teams ahead of the Spurs right now, they don't inspire much confidence. I'll let you, I'll, I'll tell you that. The Blazers. <laughs> They're not making a playoffs. I think they, they, they should be get, they should get better. But anyway, no, the Blazers won't. ahead of them. Sa- same, same record right now. The Pelicans, just half game above them. The, the Thunder, the Kings, Ugh. and the Suns. The Suns are making the playoffs. The Kings suck. The Suns are probably making the playoffs, but, you know, the, they are the Suns. Um, and the Spurs, well, you know, they have history on the side. They're, they're fucking Spurs. Like, if you told me who would I take into the playoffs, the Suns or the Spurs, you know, I'm, I'm not too confident. I'll say, you know, the Suns are definitely shoe-ins over the Spurs. No, but you see, you're letting history bias you there. I know, I know. But I'm saying if you told me at the beginning of the season, who would I take? And to be fair, there are only two, lost, two less wins than the Suns right now. The Suns are 8-8 eight and eight right now and the Spurs are 6-12. and 12. But I think it's more of who's playing more inspired basketball. And yeah. in terms of expectations... Where's the pressure at? Because for the Suns, I think they're hungry. They're excited, even if they're fit a 500. But team. do you think the pressure will mount, like, will mount as they get closer? And then, like, would it be too much for the young Suns? Um, I don't think so. I think they'll really, you know, they've got nothing to lose because they they've sucked for for years and years. So like the Nets situation last year. Exactly, exactly. It's a young team. They're hungry. They're excited to get into the playoffs for the first time. It's really something to play for. Whereas I think for the Spurs roster, getting to the playoffs almost seems like a given. So even if they made it to the playoffs, you know, there's no pat on the back there. As the season builds and their records trail, I think there's going to be more and more pressure on this team and more scrutiny on this team. And I'm not sure if they're yeah, able to, to handle it in this instance. But I'll say this, like the Suns seem like they have a bright future. Like maybe they're a year early. Maybe this is not the year for them to get to the playoffs. But the Spurs don't have a roster really to contend. Even if they made the playoffs, not, they're not really made to contend in the playoffs or they don't have a championship roster at all. No, no. Uh, I feel like they would have less to lose. Or, like, you know, like they probably have more incentive to tank so they get a higher draft pick. And that's probably good for the Spurs because from all intents and purposes, they nail draft picks. They know how to draft players into the pop system. Like they know. Kawhi Leonard. Kyle Lennon, and he wasn't even like a top pick. He was like a 15th overall pick or something. They need a better medical um, staff. I'll just, like, I'll just say this. I, I think right now the Wolves are 7th and 8th the eighth, eighth seed is the Suns right now. Uh, I don't trust the Kings. I don't trust the Thunder. I don't trust the Pelicans. The only two teams that are outside the playoff picture at the moment is the Blazers and the Spurs. And they're the only two teams that, I can, that should take over the Wolves and Suns if, you know, all the preseason predictions held true. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. who were predicted? The Wolves maybe like in the playoff contention, but I, I still think the Blazers are better than the Wolves. Like even now, I still think the Blazers are better than the Wolves. And I still, if I had to bet, I probably would bet the Spurs over the Suns. Still, I'm taking the opposite on both in both instances. You really believe in the Wolves? Have you with seen Wiggins? Andrew Wiggins, the next LeBron James after six years in the league? Wiggins is playing inspired. Cat is playing inspired. Yeah. The Blazers, they suck. This is a team that got yeah, to the Western do. Conference Finals, and this year they can't even they can't even win a game. 
it feels like such a missed opportunity, like making the Western Conference Finals and and then versing a hobbled a Warriors team, and then three times in a row, three games in a row, they were like up by seventeen points or at least double digit points, and they couldn't close the deal in any of those games. They just like that is coming to the that is, that is actually succumbing to the pressure. And in the off season, CJ McCollum went on I think Woj's podcast and explicitly said, "Finals were bust. That's the only goal. If they don't make it to the finals, it's a failure of a season." Mm. Well, definitely considering that the Warriors have stepped out of the way, like literally stepped out of the way to the Western Conference seller. Um, they are the they're the worst team in the NBA, pretty much, and. Yeah, this seemed like the Blazers' chance because they were, you know, for intense purposes, they were second. They came second last year in the West. So the fact that they're also in the cellar for some reason, even though they still got Dame, they still got um, CJ, they added Melo. Don't know if that's a positive or negative, but so far it's, it's a positive. And I mean, like they haven't lost that many players to affect them that negatively. So it is a bit bit confusing why this playing so badly and dame's been injured here and there but once again like they, they should be beating bad teams they should be beating bad teams enough to have a better record for sure and you can't like the wizards for uh not the wizards the wolves for example being bad teams they beat the hawks recently they beat they lost to the suns just but they beat the jazz recently they beat the um they beat the pistons they beat the spurs recently like these are the teams that they should beat and to get you know the wins that they need like you know like you beat bad teams. Uh, maybe also we're paying too little attention to Nurkic's injury. They replaced Nurkic, who's pretty much injured till playoff time, with Whiteside, and Whiteside is just not a good NBA center. Like he's fine, but he's not someone that wins you. He's not like a dominant center in any way. At this pace, if the Blazers don't be careful, Rodney Hood's not gonna check in the games. Oh yeah, <laughs> gonna go. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> We we know that's coming. That's okay, coming. so should they? So should the Spurs blow it up? Then are you in favor of blowing oh, this team up? Okay, and okay, okay. This is a very serious question. Now, this is a very serious question. The issue with the Spurs is that they have no future. They've got good young talent, but they're not difference makers. They don't have any superstars. They sure. have one superstar, but then they drove mm. them out of town. So now, oh, right. <laughs> so so now they have. One star, one former star, let's say. Lamarcus Neither of Aldridge. these guys you can build a franchise around. I just say that. Which is okay. Like, we don't need franchise superstars course, yeah. on, the, on the Spurs. But we need, yeah, fine. Fair we enough. need consistency. And it's clear that neither LaMarcus Aldridge nor DeMar DeRozan is able to, to, to elevate and carry this team to even mm. a 500 record. Mm. Where maybe they'll end up with a 500 record. But like you should, you should get more than that, right? In in the Spurs system, and I don't know why. Well, yeah. But with such a good coach, with arguably the best coach of all time. So the question is, do they blow it up? Now, if they don't blow it up, I don't think Demar Derozan is gonna. Demar Derozan is on a player contract. He gets to choose if he wants to stay with the team or not. Right. Right. And judging from the way he's playing, based. Uh, compared to how he's playing in Toronto, maybe he doesn't return. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So does that mean they have to trade DeMar to get something back then? No, yeah. yeah if, if if DeMar DeRozan turns down his player option uh, at the end of the season, yes, then he'll walk away with, like, the Spurs will get nothing in return f- for him. 
But what I'm saying is if DeRozan's happy and you know there's kind of a verbal commitment that he'll stay, then yeah, maybe you keep him going. But as of right now, they're not winning games. Um, DeRozan's not playing as well as he should be. Um, he's not living up to his potential. And yeah, maybe you just see what value you can get from him because he's still a valuable player and he would be a really good sidekick in in a t- on a team. I don't I haven't thought about it at all which team he Lakers. Would fit the Lakers. For. Shut up. Who, who, who would the Lakers trade for? Rob Palenka. Uh, I'm going to suggest actually, I think Tim Hardaway has still got a pretty hefty contract. Maybe Tim Hardaway could uh, get traded uh, so uh, DeMar plays for the Mavs. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I like I that. think Tim Hardaway's contract is still pretty chunky, so maybe they could chuck in a, and a, maybe a draft pick. I mean, I know they've already traded a few draft picks. How but about the Clippers? Maybe you could go, maybe you could go for broke. The Clippers, yeah, interesting. They could trade a few of the the star sub players like Lou Will, Pat Bev, Montrezl Harrell. But they got a lot of swingmen. Then P P G Demar Kawhi. It's it's a lot of swings. What if you brought Demar Derozan off the bench as a six man? <sighs> oh, Instantly, the greatest six man player, like. Ever, right? But they already do have the two greatest six-men players uh, on the Clippers bench. Yeah, that's true. They got Lou Will and, and Montrose Harrell right, coming off right. the bench. I don't know. We'll, we'll think about this later. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of teams that would love DeMar playing for them uh, while they have a, another star player that they can anchor to. Uh, I think, now that I think more about it, I really did undersell Kyle Lowry's importance. Uh, I mean, Toronto are winning without... Lowry right now, but in the prime, Lowry and DeRozan were just a really good pair. Like they played really well together, and they were fairly almost unstoppable in the regular season. That you know made ended up with the first seed at least or top three seeds multiple times um, with Lowry and DeRozan. And neither of them are franchise players, but they're just really good players. And yeah, uh, now that I think back, that was a really good pair. So I think, yes, the Spurs need to blow this thing up and reset for the future. Even yeah. if they have to bet on their younger players, it's clear that neither DeMar DeRozan nor LaMarcus Aldridge is their future. Dejounte Mario, Deontay Mario, however you want to he's pronounce his good. name. He's uh, quite good. He's a really good player. And I would have assumed after coming back from injury last season that he would have maybe taken a step up. He's, uh, I'm not sure if he's starting or not. I don't think he's quite starting yet. I think Derek Y is starting still over him. Uh, but he's not, like, he's not doing too badly. He's getting 10 points, six rebounds, four assists, I guess, off the bench. Um, but for a guy that is kind of supposed to be the next style player for the Spurs, especially because the Spurs always churn out style players from late round, like, you know, not tight, high, highly drafted picks, he's a bit of a disappointment. You know what I mean? Like, for for what we're accustomed to, Spurs players that are drafted late usually become star players, a la Ginobili, Parker, Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, I don't know. That's probably it. Patty Mills has become really good, but Dejounte Murray, who's who seemed like he had all the potential to be that next guy in the mold of other Spurs greats, hasn't really lived up to the hype. Do you think the Spurs need to, as an organization, need to look within? and ask themselves some tough questions about what happened. How did they screw this all up? I don't know if they screwed it up. I mean, they've made, they were in the playoffs. They literally won 49 games last season. <laughs> like, 
They're a really good team. They, they still are. 20 years of winning, and they set themselves up for another decade of winning with their next franchise star in Kawhi Leonard. Mm. And yeah. what happened there that they forced Kawhi out? That's on the Spurs, right? That's, that can't be all on Kawhi. Oh, I guess it's Pop and his like inflexible system. It's like my way or the highway. It's worked for Tim Duncan. It's worked for Tony Parker. It's worked for Manny Ginobili. We've won four, five, four championships. Um, you know, you won one and you won Finals MVP. Of course, you're 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 going to be our next great player. But you have to toe the line. You have to follow the Spurs way. Like that's the Popovich kind of ma- mantra, right? Like you have to follow our way or else, you know, then you're not going to be effective for, in our system. And I guess Kawhi, who knew better, said, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a great player. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a franchise player. You should listen to me kind of thing. And then they didn't listen to him, whether it was the injuries, like they didn't believe he was injured. And then other players like Tony Parker kind of threw him under the bus and saying that, you know, players are playing with worse injuries than him and he should just man up and play. And that really affected uh Kwai's, I guess trust in the team and the veterans and just yeah I don't I like I mean obviously there's a lot of things that he just didn't feel comfortable playing for the organization so you think that's okay I feel like so no it's not okay I'm just I guess I gave it a bit of background to the situation and I think I don't know like well I'm, I guess my theory is pop they both have both they both have they're both right in a way I think like Pop has has the cachet. He has a trust. You know, you should trust in Pop, right? Like he's built it over his entire career, his reputation that he knows how to create winning teams with winning players. And if you don't trust him, it's kind of like, well, you know, I didn't create this. You know, you're just a 23, 24 year old kid. Like, what do you know? Like, I'm the I'm one of the greatest coaches of all time. You know, that kind of thinking. But see, Pop was able to be Pop because he had a superstar in Tim Duncan that bought into that system. And to a large extent, neither Parker nor Ginobili were, you know, superstars, but they were no. all-stars that yeah. also bought into the system because he had one of the all-time greatest players in Tim the Duncan. The best power forward of all time. Yeah, and that enabled Pop to, to create that system. But mm. perhaps he got too complacent in knowing that, well, mine is Tim Duncan. Other superstars may require a different tact. And we can't expect everyone to be like Tim Duncan. That's what makes yeah. Tim Duncan special. You know, even LaMarcus Aldridge, at, some po- at one point a couple of years ago, he wanted out. He, he demanded to be traded. Yeah, that's true. Kawhi, he's not, like, he's not a diva, but he required a couple of things probably. That definitely is Pop's biggest mistake, but he's traded all other kind of at least borderline superstars. Like he traded Steven Jackson. He, tra- he kind of got rid of stars before they weren't stars because uh, he got rid of stars before they didn't become stars, if that makes sense. Like they were still pretty good players when he traded them just because they didn't, didn't toe the line. And at the end of the day, you still have to respect Pop because he still wins regardless. Or they had, he had Tim Duncan, but they still won. <laughs> it didn't matter. Like, sure, you had Tim Duncan on your side, but yeah, like they still always, they were just always competitive. And how can you say his system is, is like pretty foolproof because they made the playoffs 
more than 20 years in a row like what more do you need what, what more do you want like what kind of more credentials do you need to trust this guy um and so i feel like Hawaii should have been in a position to trust pop a little bit more and maybe that's pop was pop that's what pop was expecting of Kwai for him to be like trusted more so i think there was a bit of recklessness on Kwai's side as well because you don't you don't never know like i think there was a story recently that poor george there was a trade in the works back in indiana that poor george was going to join the spurs and would that have changed would that change the narrative you know that that might have literally changed history because now you've got Paul George and a, you know, a proven superstar player joining Kawhi Leonard and maybe all of a sudden Kawhi Leonard is happy in San Antonio. So then the Spurs would have continued the dynasty with PG and Kawhi in San Antonio. So, like, it's just, I, I don't think it's like total blame on the Spurs organization for fucking it up. I think there can be equal blame. I don't think it's one way or the other kind of thing. I think there's a lot of sides to the story and I don't think it's that black, or, black and white that the Spurs royally fucked it up and like i think in history like in the eyes of history it will turn out like yeah they should have treated quite better they should have been more respectful and they should have been more flexible with the system to allow Kawhi to you know grow as a person and not be so restrictive on what he does and how he feels and you know if he thinks he's injured he's injured you know you should respect his things but at the same time i think that yeah Kawhi should be more trust trusting and disposed because if he's not trusting or disposed and you know who what kind of team could he possibly try what kind of coach should earn his trust then because literally pop has earned it through two decades of winning you know what i mean that's all but yeah i, I totally get your point i totally i do i do i do get your point and yeah i i think quite a special case i think that's all well moving to other teams that potentially have lost franchise players have fucked it up royally specifically we're talking about the teams that passed on Luka Doncic Luka Doncic what what draft I'm just I want to who is playing like having an NBA caliber season I don't think that's an exaggeration at this point yeah so that was a 2018 draft and just for some context DeAndre Ayton was selected first by the Phoenix Suns Marvin Bagley was selected second by Sacramento Kings and Luka Doncic was selected third um was selected third uh by the Dallas Mavericks but Atlanta Hawks initially had that draft choice which but they traded down to the fifth pick because they would rather have Trey Young and they didn't want to select Trey Young in the third selection so also the Hawks basically passed them as well what do you think I mean I'll give you my summary my summary is I, I don't really blame these teams for passing on Luka not really these teams would argue that Luka was a developed product whereas these other guys uh, they had a higher upside. And Luca, we knew what yeah. we we're going to be getting. But did we? Turned out they didn't, but... <laughs> oh, it turned out no <laughs> one did, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Not only did they get a uh, 19-year-old EuroLeague MVP, uh, he got better. And not only was he the EuroLeague MVP, he might just be the NBA MVP. NBA MVP. <laughs> At least in the near future, he might be NBA MVP. Uh, if not NBA champion, now that he has Kristaps Porzingis as well. Um, okay, I do blame the other teams, and there were stories that came out about, about it that makes it more funny why they passed it. And it does kind of scream shades of Michael Jordan back in '83 or whatever that draft was when they selected Sam Bowie, like a seven-foot player, because the 
the common stereotype is you can't teach seven feet. That's right. Which is true. That's right. But you also can't teach Michael Jordan. And I'm not comparing Luka Doncic. I'm not comparing Luka Doncic to Michael Jordan. But it's that same kind of thing. Like, if you need a center, you just get the best player because that best player can play all five positions, basically. Not not like literally, but theoretically, he's so impactful that he's going to make up for the difference between the height of like a of what a center like what a you know a center can bring at at his height. You know what I mean? Especially in today's game, where it's more, they keep saying Especially in today's game, which is like positionless, yeah. So, so Aiton, uh, I think he's a fine player, but he's been suspended 25 games for taking a banned substance. Can you imagine how good that backcourt would be with, uh, if the Suns picked Doncic first, if Doncic was paired with Booker? The ultimate scoring guy with Doncic. Ultimate scoring guy with the ultimate, guy. like, court best point guard basically in the league right now mm. if you don't count Harden and LeBron as point guards but like as a pure point guard Doncic is probably the best point guard right now pairing with you know top one of the top shooting guards in the league and the Suns might be even better than they are right now and they're like a pretty good playoff contending team at the moment um okay then the Kings drafted second they drafted Bagley and the reason Divac uh passing Doncic is because he knew he's European, right? He's like Serbian or something like that. And apparently he knew his father and he didn't like him. And uh, as a result of knowing his family and not, and having like a, I guess, uh, indifference or just, I don't know, some kind of feeling that his father would be a bad influence over the team or over his son, Don Luca, he decided to pass on him. Or well, that's a big reason why he passed on him and drafted a different guy instead. And I, yeah, I think Bagley has been injured or something like that. Like, he's been kind of in and out of the seat. Like, so, yeah, obviously, these guys are way more athletic and maybe have good upside still, but they don't have MVP ceiling like Doncic. Well, in the case of the Kings, I don't blame Divac because I do know that Divac suffers from a medical condition called gigantism, which means he's mildly retarded. Oh, okay. The Kings have had 13 <sighs> losing seasons and counting. And in those 13 losing seasons, they've had 10 coaches. This is who they are. They screw up every year. And I guess the reason why they didn't draft Doncic is because they drafted De'Aaron Fox the year before. And he was kind of seen as like, you know, the point guy of the future. To me, not relevant. It's like, this is a different draft. Guess what? If this guy is better than the guy you selected last year, then you draft this guy again. No, I agree. I agree. But I'm just saying that's probably what played into the thing. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that's probably what played into the thinking of, you know, for drafting a power forward over another point guard. Forget Doncic, I want to ask you about Divac. The fact that Divac has proceeded over 10 head coaches, at what point will the owner fire Divac? When is the GM responsible for something? I want to just kind of fill Allison's in. Vlade Divac, who I correctly said is Serbian, uh, is the vice president of basketball operations and and the general manager of the Sacramento Kings? Is he? He's he's a Hall of Famer, right? He's a Hall of Famer, but I think more for his international career plus NBA career as opposed to just NBA mm. performance. I mean, he's a good. It was a it was a good NBA player. Like he's, he's okay. Yeah, he's. he's okay. I mean, by his stats, like he played for a long time, so he accumulated really good stats. He was an okay player, but I think his whole thing is he's a bit ahead of his time in this, in the style that he was playing. Mm. And he was apparently like a, 
charitable char charitable person, a humanitarian. Uh, a, uh, I don't know anything about that, but I think he's a he's a big guy that had finesse. He had a finesse game, which in the eighties was a rarity, I, I suppose. And yeah, just outside the United States as well. I guess, like you said, he kind of became like a ambassador for the global game. That's right. Of basketball, like outside of outside America. And yeah, he was elected to the Hall of Fame in 2019. But yes, uh, but despite all these feats and achievements and accolades, I agree he should be fired as a GM of the Kings. Gotta get rid of him, Because like you said, he's been presiding of this team for 13 seasons, 10 head coaches, including a known uh, women abuser in Luke Walton. Oh my God, seriously. Um, he passed on Luka Doncic. I think just anytime you pass on a franchise player, like I'm not saying... Doncic has made it yet, but just the fact that if you do pass on a franchise player and he was drafted third and there were two, just two teams that passed on him, th- those teams have to fire the GMs. That's it. Like, it's unfortunate. Like, I, I know you, no, one can, nah, no one has a crystal ball and can see the future, but unfortunately, like the Blazers and whoever the other team was that draft, drafted before the Bulls drafted Jordan, that's... That's your footnote. Like that's that's your intro bio to your Wikipedia page. Unfortunately, because you made terrible decisions to like for your franchise. Unfortunately, I I know Bagley is a pretty good player, but prior to Bagley, like if you look at who they've drafted, they've drafted gar- like garbage. Yeah, they've drafted so many power forwards. Like, I mean, the best player before that was Cousins, and not, Cousins isn't on on this team as well anymore. They've drafted Nick Stauskas. He's not even in the league They drafted anymore. like Scal LeBessier. They've drafted. Um, oh, they drafted a lot of power forwards, man. They drafted Nick Stauskas because the owner saw Stauskas's uh, like YouTube video where he made like ninety nine three pointers in a row. They draft <laughs> in his backyard. They drafted. Uh, uh, what was his name? Ah, oh, fuck, Marquis Chris. I don't know. Eighth overall? Yeah, like, where's, what's he doing? Uh, I've, he's, I don't even hear about Well, him. he's bouncing around the NBA. Like, he's still, he's a, he's a good role player, but not like a star. He's not worth of the eighth overall pick. Um, they, they drafted Zach Collins, a good player. Who's not on the team he's anymore. A, he's definitely just a role player. Is he on the team? Zach Collins? No, he plays for the um, Blazers. Yeah, he's, he's a, a good player, for he's sure. He's a good player, but I'm saying he's no longer on the Sacramento Kings. No, he's on the Kings, yeah. And he was 2017 as well, so... Uh, or maybe he got traded. Like, maybe it was part of a trade, to be honest. I'm not too sure. I mean, they drafted De'Aaron Fox 2017. Then 2018, they drafted Mag- Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. And like we said, Marvin Bagley is probably going to be a fine player. But is he, like, a future MVP? Uh, nah. No, no. And I mean, we're not expecting them to draft future MVPs. But what I'm saying is... No one expects it. Yeah, of course. Or even... But it just, if that happens to be the case, it's just a really bad look. That's right. It. But more importantly, when you have 13 losing losing seasons, and they're going to have a losing mm. season again this year, mm. that says something about the franchise. It's not about getting having high draft picks. It means that you don't know what the hell to do with these draft picks. And you're yeah, true. obviously not developing the young talent that you do draft because these young talents, they end up elsewhere. Yeah, well, they just don't pan out at all. Um, Luka Doncic right now has, is averaging 30 points per game, 
10 rebounds a game and almost 10 assists per game, oh, 9.8 assists per game. Right. He's pretty much almost averaging a triple-double. If he sustains this, obviously he's MVP. I, he's not going to sustain it. Right. But not only is he just, his numbers are like great, like mind-blowing. His team is winning. Like They're winning. They're one of the top Western Conference teams. Except against the Knicks. They've lost twice against the Knicks. I don't know why. <laughs> twice. <laughs> That's true. Oh, like I don't know how that. <laughs> That's happened. the revenge game. It's because they like throw That's... like six power forwards at Luca. You just can't get past those like Knicks power forwards. <laughs> I'll say this: yeah. it's like this year. Obviously, Zion is considered a generational talent. No one out of the draft called Luca generational talent. Like we would now right. with hindsight, but before the draft, during that process in evaluation you wouldn't have considered him a generational talent. And when you watch him, he moves really slowly. He's not like rushing down the court. He's got like a really old man savvy. Like he just, he's like a 10 year vet. He just knows how to move. Because he was playing with men. He was playing with men, it's just true. But I'm just saying like, you look at guys that you draft, like DeAndre Ayton, for example, and you draft him because you see so much potential in his, uh, because of the athleticism, because of the like, height and strength and all these things and you think these things are going to equate or going to translate to um you know being a really good nba player like andrew wiggins for example um but it just it doesn't always work out you know it doesn't always happen where they just turn into a superstar like and zion obviously has been injured so we don't know that's going to happen but luke is a complete opposite he's not some guy that looks ripped or super athletic or super fast but in just his second season, he really looks like one of the best players in the NBA because he's smart, because he knows how to run the court, because he's savvy, like he's just super cerebral. Um, and people so, keep yeah, saying I mean, about his ceiling where he is a finished product already, but he's 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, he's 20 years old and he's playing as well. Like He's made huge strides from his rookie year to his second year. So like, let's see him when he's 24, 25. Yeah. Yeah, I think it also helps the fact that he is a pretty big guy, so he, it's not yeah, someone exactly. that gets it pushed helps around. He's a big guy, and he knows how to move his body around. And yeah, okay. So obviously, Adam Silver is aware of uh, teams like Sacramento Kings screwing up the NBA, and in order to address this, the NBA have uh, proposed both scheduling and potentially playoff format changes to address this. Yeah, this is definitely Adam Silver's like baby like he wants to make this work in kind of like the european soccer model where you have um mid-season tournaments and stuff like that so i guess the current structure is you play 82 regular season games and at the end of the regular season games uh depending on your record you'll get seeded into um playoff t- uh, matchups based on your base based on your seeding and i guess the problem with that is that depending on how you're doing Later in the season, you may be more incentivized by losing games because you get a high draft pick or resting players because you don't need to play as much and that hurts the product because the star players won't be playing as much in April and, and, and March if, you know, there's no need to play. But the proposed changes is that a mid-season tournament and, uh, I know, I guess key games where uh, it affects playoff chances or playoff receding... Uh, it's a bit muddy still at the moment. I don't think it's anything concrete. Um, but it's worth noting that this is what Adam Silver is trying to do to ensure that there's less load management, as in play, the star players are playing more. 
and um, teams on tanking. I just wish they stopped mucking around with like mid-season tournaments and all these other weird tournaments and just like reduce the number of games, make it like 60 games. I agree, I agree. I, I think load management is an issue though. Like as much as, you know, I don't care because I just watch on TV and there's so many games that if a star player misses a game we're here, me as a foreigner, like not living in America, it's not a big deal. But if I went to America and I, you know, I bought tickets to the Nets and the Lakers and I paid $400 for those tickets and LeBron James didn't play, I would be pretty pissed off, you know what I mean? Just reduce it to 60 games. Well, I don't think the plays would be in favor of 60 games because that would also affect the revenue. It, it's not just like NBA wants to propose these things to make more money. It's also the players that need to be involved in these negotiations. So really it's negotiate like this is what Amso is proposing, but he needs to negotiate this with the players association, um, with the owners. Uh, I'm sure there's other stakeholders involved, but it's not it's, right now it's, they're just proposals that need to be voted or vetoed by the relevant part relevant stakeholders and parties and etc. Right. And obviously at, at the end of the day it's all about the product. Like they don't want too many players resting. They don't want to upset ticket holders and television viewers and stuff like that. They want to continue the revenue. I mean, this is a very profitable or profitable business. They, or each each NBA franchise is all worth like $2 billion now, right? Like only a, maybe a dec- less than a decade ago, some teams could have been bought for 400 mil, for 500 the, mil. Except for the Houston Rockets. But go on. Tillman's like, just take this. I don't <laughs> want to. Just take them. <laughs> Can we sell them? Take it. Take it on my hands. I think um, I think Tencent will buy Tencent will buy <laughs> <laughs> What's the owner called? Fida Fertilda? Uh, Fertilda Tillman. What's his first name? That, yeah. I don't know. I was going to say like the egg omelette or something. Oh, Fertilda okay, Tillman. Well, Fertilda, didn't he try to trade uh, Darren Mori to Tencent? <laughs> or Alibaba? <laughs> oh, no, it's all the way around. His name is Tillman Fertilda. Okay, Tillman Fertilda. Yeah. I think he was shopping around. His first name is Tillman. He was shopping around Darren Mori. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw I actually saw him at like a um He was on, on Taobao. On the homepage carousel for uh Gear Buy. Guess the best, <laughs> best gear. Gear Buy. Best gear. Gear best or something. Gear best. I think yeah, gear best. He was on he was like on the sale. <laughs> he was on the Black Friday sale page. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. God bless you, uh Disgraced general manager. God bless you, Daryl Moore. I hope he does well, actually. So we've had about 20-odd games now. Do you have any picks for our early season MVPs? Uh, I put down a few names, and this is not, not in particular, any particular order, but we talked about Doncic. I think he's, he should be in consideration since he's averaging a 30-point triple-double. Does LeBron James still have some MVP seasons left in him? Given the fact that even though statistically... So basically, LeBron has a good chance to lead the NBA in assists. Potentially, he's going to average close to a triple-double, if not a triple-double. His scoring is going to be down. But, importantly, his team may have the best record in the NBA. I think that's what it's going to be. Because in this brand new NBA where there's no Warriors, I think they're just looking for the next best, like the next best team. Like the team that's going to take over the Warriors, basically. And the Lakers, at least early on, still early on to me, uh seem destined to be the top seed or, you know, have the best overall record. And, um, you know, as, as unfair as it is, I think Giannis is having the best season. Like Giannis statistically 
is what is he averaging? He's like averaging like 50 points per game, 29 rebounds. Nah, he's like. He's averaging 31 points per game, 14 rebounds. Did you say he was averaging like 29 rebounds? What? Yeah, I mean, like, seems like it. But, I mean, he scored 50 points the other night against the Jazz. Like, I just feel that there's a little bit of fatigue already around Giannis. Like, like Giannis is good. <laughs> like, fuck. Like, we know Giannis is good. He's added a three-point shot. And that was the thing that was saying that when Giannis adds a three-point game, he's going to be, like, look out like league he's going to be so scary mm. he's added it and he's as scary as ever but the problem is uh the lakers with lebron james and ad uh, are even scarier as a team you know what i mean and i think lebron who had a dormant season last season uh not making the playoffs still averaging good numbers made a third team or nba uh is considered a down year by his standards but now the fact that the lakers are winning and He's like you said, possibly lead. He's going to lead the league in assist. The team might finish with the top seed. Mm. I think that's my choice for the MVP. Like just based on all those narrative points. What if, and this is a possible scenario, what if James Harden averages over forty yes. points a game, which I don't think has has, I think has that's that ever what been I was done? Get to because James Harden right now is averaging thirty-eight points per game. No, of course not. No, no one's ever averaged that many points. Since maybe like uh, Will, Chim- Will Chamberlain. Chamberlain. Has Will Chamberlain ever, ever, ever averaged that much? I think much, he maybe? averaged like 50 points a game. But that's so many eras ago that you can't really like compare him to like modern players. I think he should finish top three for sure. Not top three, um, but should he win it? The, should he win it? 40 I don't points. Know. I don't know. Because I think, Gian, I think Giannis... I think it's it, I think it's going to be really important to get the best record in the NBA this year. I think it's really important. Okay. I don't know why I feel this way, but I just think in this new NBA where the Warriors have kind of stepped aside or really have stepped aside, they're looking for the new king of the NBA of the regular season. And the king of the NBA is going to belong to the best team um, in my book. And Harden, for as good as he is and as many points as he scores... He's not going to lead the Rockets to the best overall record. And also, as much as we penalize Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, two MVPs playing together, shouldn't we also penalize? I know Harden's doing it mostly by himself, but these are two MVPs on the Rockets. These are two former MVPs in Westbrook and Harden playing together. Mm, that's true. Like, shouldn't that be any? Pe- shouldn't there be a penalty on like two MVPs playing together? Um, the answer is no. But the Warriors were definitely penalized. For any uh, in individual awards. But there's a sense that Russell has sort of tapered off a little bit. Fair enough. Fair enough. And he has, for sure. Yeah. And I'm not even sure it's fair to say that you know Westbrook has tapered off a little. But I think that's the perception, that he's tapered off just a little. Uh, and that's why I think it's important that the MVP award... Not important, sorry. But that's why I believe the MVP award will go to the best player on the best team. And... AD to me, narrative wise, is the psychic to LeBron. And LeBron really should have won five MVPs by now, and I think he will get his fifth. And Ooh, I think it will be a really nice. important award um, for him to get since he's 34 years old and facing retirement in five, six years, you know? Like as oh sorry, he's facing retirement as the top as a top player. Like he might not be a top player anymore next year or the year after that. Probably 
he's going to start tapering off and he'll only be considered a top 10 player, you know? Right. He'll be in the same conversation as uh, Paul George, basically. He's not going to be a premier. Like, we'll be talking about Giannis and Luka and uh, Kawhi. I forgot who I said already. But they'll be, like, the top three players and then LeBron will be top 10, you know, in two years' time. Right, right. So he will no longer be in the MVP conversation. Uh, maybe he is a, he's a sidekick to AD at that point. Um, but that's why I think this might be his last or second last year at serious MVP consideration, just because the talent is still there. He still looks as beast as ever. But I mean, he's 34, he's 34. Like, how much longer can this go for at this level? Statistically, he's going to transition. His numbers are going to transition a little bit. So rather than scoring a lot, it's going to go down. But then he has got a potential now to have triple doubles. He can potentially average triple double, you know. Mm. Not this year. But once again, I think it's all about narrative. He's still scoring a lot of points for this team. He's still scoring a lot. But I think eventually, if he can become a player that scores 12 points, 15 points, and get 10 assists, 10 rebounds, that'd be just as powerful and potent. Think about this. LeBron averaging a triple double for the best team in the NBA. Those are all in the, enough. That's enough ingredients to win MVP. I, I agree. I agree. He, he's got to do a bit of a Russell Westbrook where he gets like all the rebounds somehow. He's got to talk to his teammates. He can do it. He's just never had, to, he's never needed to do it because he wins the games the way he plays. But now that he can win games uh, in a variety of ways, he doesn't have to score as much like you said. He can probably bulk up on rebounds and, this, and assist. He can pass it to more people. He has a better team around him that can shoot better. Um, so yeah, like the numbers should come easy. Like those other numbers should come easier to him. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky pick for me for the MVP oh. is Pascal Siakam. Oh, I like, I like. Spicy Siakam P. is averaging, the numbers aren't mind-blowing, 25 points, eight, eight rebounds. Um, he's not as consistent as those other star players that we, that we mentioned, but the Raptors are 12-4 and four because Siakam has turned into a franchise player, which is just like crazy because... He was like that kid that just turned around the corner and was like, oh, he's actually pretty good with Kawhi. Like, Wasn't well, he team... just like most improved player last year? Yeah, he won most improved, most improved player last season. Um, he's like that kind of classic story where he didn't play, bas- he didn't play basketball until year 11 or you know, whatever, his senior year or something like that. And... He's the go-to guy for this team, and, and, and that's why the Raptors are, have won so many games. So I will end our podcast with this message to D'Lo. D'Lo, if you try hard, just like Pascal Siakam, you too can be featured on our podcast at Your NBA Podcast. See ya! Oh, I want to talk about it, man. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. Okay, Kane's been dying all week probably to talk about D'Lo, so let, let, me, Forgot about this. let me pass the, uh, the mic to you. Talk, go ahead, talk about D'Lo. I think Dwayne Wade did D'Lo a solid by inviting him or just giving him the privilege to join the way of Wade shoes for uh, what brand is it? Do you know what brand it is? That's a Chinese brand, right? Wade. That's um, let me yeah, way of Wade, but it's way of Wade for leaning, 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 yeah, which it. is a huge Chinese uh, yeah, shoe huge brand, brand yeah. huge. Uh, huge sport apparel brand and uh, it's not cheap when i went to china i was like thinking like oh leaning and anta they should be kind of cheaper shoes because you know they make they're made locally they're not cheap they're like 
just as expensive as Nike shoes or like on par. I'm just at on the wayofwade.com website and yeah, right on the front page, you've got D-Wade and D-Lo now. Wow. Yeah, so he's kind of become the new face of uh, the Wade of Wade shoes. And then even Dwayne Wade talked about how he respects his game and sees a lot of parallels, which I think is bullshit because I, I think that not the, not at all in any similar way, the playing styles. D'Lo is soft, shoots floaters and shoots a lot of three-pointers. Dwayne Wade was literally the fastest player and could dunk on any, anybody in his prime. D'Lo has, does not have that in his game. D'Lo is a good player. Uh, and he's marketable and he plays for the Warriors, which all are positive things for, you know, Dwayne Wade making the decision of making D'Lo the face. But uh, I don't know. It's a funny choice that, you know, D'Lo is the face of Wade. Uh, like, I don't know what the connection is. That's what I'm saying. It's probably a Golden State connection. Perhaps the Warriors are popular in China. Yeah, for sure. That's what I'm saying. The, he's, he's, he's the best player on the Warriors right now that's healthy. And <laughs> the best player in the world that's healthy, and that's how he got selected. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Okay. I just well, and also he. This was his season, like, because he had a breakout season last year with the Nets, and this was his season to get a signature shoe. And I was expecting it. I was expecting him to get like a, one of like a good like a play edition model with Nike, uh, but obviously like Clay Thompson or like other players that joined other non traditional. Um, uh, companies, yeah, D'Lo has gone to the dark side in China. Oh my God, Jordan. why do you say that? Why do you got to be so hateful? Jesus Christ. <sighs> so is he going to, is D'Lo going to have a I mean, on this front page company? right now, I'm looking at this poorly res, like the logo for the wayway.com, it's not even SVG, it's just like a, it's like a low res PNG. We don't need accessibility here in China. We don't have disabled people in China. All winners, all winners here. So when can we expect uh, D'Lo's press conference where he, when he denounces uh, Daryl Morey? I still respect D'Lo a lot. I don't want him to do that. I, I, still, I still really do like D'Angelo Russell, to be honest. Oh, why why really shouldn't like you? Why, game, do you but... think that just because he, he signed up with a, a Chinese sneaker company that he should be respected less? No, I'm sorry, because I'm, he's not on the Brooklyn Nets anymore. Oh, okay. Not that it was his fault, but just because he's not on the Brooklyn Nets anymore, you would think that I wouldn't like him as much, but I, I really still like him a lot. Like, I, I think he's a really solid player. That's my dealer talk for the year. You got that out of your system? That's my dealer talk for the year. No, whatever. You, you talk to me about dealer all the time. Anyway, Kane's got this uh, dealer thing out of his system for this week. Until next time, listeners. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to Your NBA Podcast with David and Kane. If you enjoyed our show, please tweet us at Your NBA Podcast.